You're listening to Cortez Radio, CKTZ, 89.5 FM. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also listen to on the web at cortezcurrents.ca. With the deadline for registering irrigation, commercial, or industrial use wells fast approaching, the Quadra ICANN's water security team is concerned that some people may miss out. According to the Ministry of Forests, Lands, Natural Resource Operations, and Rural Development, quote, a water license is not required for a household well or groundwater used for domestic purposes, such as watering lawns and gardens. Domestic groundwater users are encouraged to register their wells for free, unquote. Existing groundwater users who have not applied by the deadline will be unlicensed and must stop using groundwater, unquote. This is the second in a series of programs arising from an interview with Bernie Arnell, Mike Gall, Jude McCormick, and Chris Wellstein from the Water Security Team. Wellstein pointed out that licenses are required for water that's used commercially from any source except, say, a tank. So whether it's from a pond, from a well, from a lake or river that's used in any kind of commercial way, your egg stand, your market garden, any trees, fruit trees you might be planting, and then selling the fruit. The deadline for filing has been extended to November 30th, but, quote, consequences for not filing with a registry can be substantial, with penalties up to $25,000 for an individual or $50,000 for a corporation or 5% of the assessed value of the property, whichever is greater, unquote. We are the Wild West, and we are still acting like we are the new world, and uh, we don't want to give up those freedoms. But in most places in the world, they're very organized about their water. Uh, one of the government ladies that I was trying to get information out of yesterday was telling me that in Denmark you get charged for your water use and then you get charged again for that water to be cleaned and put back into the system. You get charged both ways and you get charged a lot. Here, they're just talking about charging us a little bit to use water. So it does feel, and I feel it as well, pinched. I feel like my freedoms are being pinched away. But if you compare us to the rest of the world, I think we're still in a pretty good place and sometimes getting organized for the sake of getting an education about what we have will cost us a little of our freedom and maybe gain us something else, like security of some kind for our water system. Water security team leader Jude McCormick explained... I just wanted to clarify that there's a difference between registering and licensing. So a lot of people who drill wells for you will register the well, and that doesn't cost you anything, but it is registered so everyone knows it exists. Licensing is the thing that you get charged, I don't know if it's per month or per year, for the amount of water that you've been licensed to use. That's where you actually get the amount of water priced. 
the UN says that water is a right, not something that is bought, sold, rented, whatever. So there is a little conflict in the way it's defined. Mike here. So right now, the licensing fee has been waived up to the beginning of March. And remember, this is strictly for commercial use only. It doesn't apply to domestic use water. And after March, uh, it's a $250 fee to actually license your well, as opposed to just registering it. And it's a estimate as to how much water you use done based on this built-in calculator in that registration and licensing paperwork that gives the government the numbers of what your water utilization rate is. And therefore you are billed that annually. The rate, it's not very high. So unless you use an extraordinary amount of water like Pepsi or Coca-Cola bottling water from the ground, which is an insane process in my own mind. It's something like $1.25 per 100,000 liters, or it's, it's, it's an incredibly low dollar value per amount of water that you actually use. So the cost is not onerous once your application has been approved and your, your well is licensed. And again, it's strictly on a voluntary basis. But once your well is licensed, they do have the ability to come in and inspect and see if what you've calculated is correct. And that's assuming that they hire literally dozens of more um, people to assist in that process, but which hasn't happened yet. Jude, again, to clarify a little more, if I understand what I've read correctly, they want to collect back fees after you are licensed from the 2016 date. So I think that might put some people off that there's this back fee and then the thought of having to pay. So that might be a really good point for, for Chris to emphasize when people say, oh, but we've got to pay so many years back that the cost is really reasonable and that the quicker you get in, the better. So it's like a double-edged sword here. The way it is now the government doesn't know what we have, and we don't either. So they can use the regulations that would work for Campbell River for Quadra. And it's really putting a pinch on our housing issue, for one example. The permits and things that you have to get are set up for an urban or less rural area. And the criteria doesn't match what we have and what we can do. So part of the study is to really get to know what we have so that when we talk to government, we can be partners in doing what needs to be done for us with the water that they are supposedly renting to us. My hope from the water security team is that the information that we can gather that is based in science and in actual stories from people is that when things become more and more tight around government regulation that we can say, okay, we know what we use on this island. We know what we need. We know how 
we want to have our wetlands and have responsible drainage systems and recharging our aquifers and things. And this is what we need from you, the government, on how to manage that. Chris well, here. The information that I was given by the government two years to pass out to our community states very clearly that commercial use will always be put above personal use. When it comes to push and shove and counting our drops of water, commercial use will be given the first water. Mike here. Uh, luckily, we don't have large-scale agriculture, water bottling. The only operation that I can think of here on Quadra that uses a great deal of water would be Wolcan, as an example. And that's in a fairly isolated location in reference, other than Copper Bluffs, relatively isolated from the rest of the community. The thing I have to remember is that whether it's a registered well or an unregistered well, that water is already being used. It's just that it hasn't been quantified and they haven't put numbers behind it. You haven't done your water calculation, which is an actual calculator that they have on their website to show you how to figure out how much water you're applying for. Because in essence, the government is renting you this natural resource. The government maintains ownership and they are renting it to you for your use. Bernie here. There's other places in Canada where seasonal water shortage is a norm, uh, the prairies, for example. When you get a license there, you're obligated to maintain a, a way of measuring the flow that you've used, and it gets spot-checked. So essentially, there's whole irrigation districts that have tell you, you know, this is the kind of water meter you need to use, uh, or here's five choices of equipment that you can use and and you'll get spot checked but again that's for major water users like very significant water users even in the prairies the domestic water use is on an assumed basis it's sort of okay you've got a household we assume and they measure it in acre feet per year they assume a certain use by a domestic entity and they don't measure that even in Saskatchewan, it's a presumed amount so that they're not forcing each residence to put in a water meter. Theoretically, the licensing for industry is above domestic, but in my experience watching it happen in the prairies, it never comes down to that because these are people in, in your neighborhood. You're not going to cut them off from domestic use. It's There's a difference between what legally might happen and what actually happens there's a lot of scare talk and it really it's not useful to get engaged in that sometimes mike here i think it's important to understand that industry and domestic use has to coexist just like what bernie was talking about and in other jurisdictions like the interior where you see these gigantic lakes they grow fruit and grapes and are literally a high food production area, that's where water use boards are formed and it's a consortium of industrial users and people representing their local neighborhoods. And they get together and they talk about how they wanna use their water. And, and that's much better communications, by the way, than a top-down approach coming from provincial bureaucrat. And essentially that's what this team is all about. 
that we have access to really solid resources like a postdoctoral scientific researcher. We have another scientist on our team. We have people who have a great deal of experience in well data logging. So it's coming together and gelling very nicely to produce a really strong source of information that the government would probably really appreciate access to, quite frankly. You've been listening to Bernie Amell, Mike Gall, Jude McCormick, and Chris Wellstein from the Quadra ICANN water security team talk about registering groundwater wells. Shortly after our interview, the BC government changed the deadline for filing to November 30th, 2022.